Welcome to the Marketplace Movement, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week, we are on part 3.5 of the Cost of God's Will series. Today, we will learn what we need to do in order to prepare to pay the bill called readiness. So as always, please grab your notebook and your Bible and join us in the year of again. together on this past Sunday, um, I ended with three points, three points I ended with, and those are the three that I, I told you Sunday I wanted to dig deeper into, and I'm going to do that. Uh, I heard some of you talking about the homework. Um, I will address that, I think, in point number two. Yes, in point number two. I'll try to address the homework uh, there, but my three points were, were these, and you don't have to write them because I'm gonna break them apart. Um, readiness must be consistent. Number two, readiness requires regimen. And number three, readiness transforms character. So number one, readiness must be consistent. Number two, Readiness requires regimen. Number three, readiness transforms character. Though that's really our outline for tonight. So let's go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's deal with the first one. Readiness must be consistent. I kind of breezed us through these on Sunday, and I told you that I would dig deeper. So readiness must be consistent. I've, I've asked this before, and so I really don't need to ask again. I know the truth. Many of us have trouble with consistency. Amen. All right? And when you have trouble with consistency, you, you, you stand the chance of being caught off guard, right? When you have good days, uh, you feel like the enemy's not bothering you, and it is, he comes at you at that low moment. Let me tell you something about the enemy. He knows when we're inconsistent. So he has no problem waiting for the moment when we're not doing our job. Right? So we have to make sure that if we want to be ready, because that's the bill we need to pay to follow the will of God. If we want to be ready, ready, we have to be consistent. Now in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready. Always being ready. Y'all see that? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. 16. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Y'all see that? Let's go back to 15 again. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. That word sanctify means to set apart. So, so he starts off by saying, I need you to set the Lord in a special place in your heart. Does that make sense? The Lord should occupy a place in our life that no one else occupies. 
I'll say that again. The Lord should occupy a place in our life that no one else occupies. It is very dangerous when you start allowing people, places, and things to occupy the places in your life that God alone wants to occupy. He says, I will have no other gods before me. He says, I'm a jealous God. And, and I'll say this. It is very easy for us to allow, especially people and tangible objects, to get into the rooms that God alone wants to occupy. Amen. My experience is this. When you have things in the place that only God is supposed to be, God will take the thing from you. Even if the thing that's in God's place is a person that you want to keep. Does that make sense? So you got to make sure that you have sanctified, as the scripture said, or set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Then he says, always being ready. Always. So there's a consistency. Always being ready to make a defense. The word defense there is explanation. So you have to always be ready to explain. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone. Stop. That right there, that word everyone. Always be ready to explain to everyone. One more time. Always be ready to explain to everyone. Now, this is going to bother some of you. Everyone means everyone. Now, as much as we chuckle, I want y'all to really think about that for a minute. Because some people are easier to talk to than others. Come on now. Always be ready to explain to everyone. Okay, have you ever felt like you've been talking to somebody and telling them the same thing over and over again? And now... You sick of it? Well, that don't happen to nobody? And you tell yourself, you grown? I'm going to let you go ahead on and be great? Yeah, that, don't, that ain't happen to nobody? Okay, let me rephrase. Anybody ever got tired of saying the same thing over and over and over again? Okay, I'll give it to you another way. Anybody ever been tired of explaining yourself? Or explaining the same concept? The Bible says, always be ready to explain to everyone, including the people who seem to be hard of hearing, you know. Right? Always be ready to explain to everyone, to give an account, right? Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. So that means that if somebody comes to you every day and says, explain to me about that Jesus again. And then they come to you tomorrow and I know what you're saying, but I still don't get it. One more time. And so you, you break it down again. And then they come to you the next day. I heard that. So I'm still having trouble with this one part. Because inevitably, what, what you'll, you'll be like, right? But you have to always be ready to explain to everyone. Now, turn to Colossians real quick. Turn to Colossians. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, 
Anybody ever lost your cool with somebody getting on your nerves? All right. Right? I'm just sick of you asking me the same questions over and over again. This page is stuck together. Hold on. All right, Colossians chapter 4. Watch this. Look at verse 5. Are we there? Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Watch. Let your speech, what's the next word? Always. Always. Let's do it again. Let your speech always be with grace. Lord have mercy, I have failed that one. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. So that, watch this, you will know how you should respond to each person. Y'all see it? Let your speech always, y'all see that? Always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. So every time you open your mouth, the scripture says that's an opportunity. Every time somebody gives you an ear, it's an opportunity, right? And because you now have an opportunity to show forth what you say is in you, what God has done for you, the hope that is in you, it says, hold on, with this opportunity, make sure that your mouth always has grace in it. And I need that grace to be seasoned with salt. Now, watch this. Don't, don't read salt the way we want to read it, right? Because, you know, the way we be reading, like, you know, so, you know, you salty. That's the way we want to read it. But, but, but you have to read that term salt in light of Matthew where it says, you are uh -huh, the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So when we see that what comes out of our mouth should be seasoned with salt, what, what the scripture is really saying is every word should be seasoned with who God made you to be. Every time you open your mouth, it is an opportunity. All right, next week, we're going to have a holiday week. It's going to be a wonderful holiday week. Uh, and some of you on Thursday are going to be around family who you haven't seen since last year. Uh-huh. And, and, and here it is. You're going to be sitting around them, and you, you're going to put on the fake smile because you don't want to see them because everybody got some, huh, in their family. But God says you have an opportunity. And every time you open your mouth, I want grace to come out of your mouth. What I have found is this, people of God, the only way for my words to always have grace is for me to always have a memory. The only way for my words to always have grace is for me to always have a memory. A memory of what? How much God has done for me. Does that make sense? So it makes clear that consistency Consistency, because to be ready, I have to be consistent. Consistency in my conduct requires consistency in my character. Y'all should write that down. Consistency in my conduct requires consistency in my character. One more time. Consistency in my conduct requires consistency in my character. I cannot expect to be consistent in what I do 
or how I handle things when I'm inconsistent in building the character necessary to those things. If, if, if my character is all over the place, my actions are going to match my character. Y'all catch that? You can't expect to put on a happy face and, 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 and do a phenomenal job. This is, see, this is when people mess up. You know, I, I know I've done it where it's like, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to put my game face on. I'm going to get through this. Everything's going to be fine. But I've been inconsistent in the character necessary to handle that moment. So when that moment comes, as long as don't nobody push that one button, we good. But when you jump on that one nerve, that one that's exposed. See, I have to handle the character part before the encounter. Does that make sense? All right. Large number two, readiness requires regiment. Readiness requires regiment. This builds upon the last one, really. Because remember the homework, remember the homework. Some of you were talking about it before class. I had two things in the homework. I asked you two questions. These are things that you're supposed to be thinking about. Number one, I asked you, what does your calling require? I asked everybody to go and determine what your calling required. Number two, the second thing I said is, what are you currently doing that is taking you either toward or away from your calling? Those were the two questions you're supposed to ponder. Now, with those two questions, because readiness requires regiment, with those two questions, I always inevitably get somebody who will ask me or they'll say to me, um, I don't know what my call is. I don't know, so I can't say what my calling requires because I don't know what my call is, right? I can't tell you whether or not I'm going closer to it or away from it because I don't know what it is. All right, so let me pause here real quick. Let me address that. First thing, I'm gonna give you three things. If you, if, you, if you are at the place where it's like, I have no idea about the call, let me give you three real quick. You ready? No? Yes. yes. One, recognize that the author of your call is God. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, number one, the author of your call is God. Now, you know, I know there's a whole lot of books on purpose, but you have to first recognize before anything, the author of the call on your life is God. Number two, you are called according to his purpose, is what the scripture tells us. This verse, that verse right there means in short that you are called to do and to be what he wants you to do and to be. Our purpose, our desires are not always the same thing. What God made you and what you want don't always match, especially when your flesh is strong. Are y'all following me? Some of us have dreams, right? Be careful. Don't automatically think that what you're dreaming for is what God wants. That's not always the same thing. But we're all called according to his purpose. Let me give you another piece that we don't like. God is not obligated to make your dreams come true. He's not obligated to make your dreams come true. God, the favor of God opens on your life when what you want and what he wants comes into alignment. Then you begin to walk in favor. When you're simply telling God to breathe on your plans, God has no obligation to make your plan come to pass. Are y'all following me? 
So I have to first recognize that he's the author of my call. Then I have to recognize the only reason that I'm on this earth, the only reason he gave me the right to breathe is for me to fulfill his purpose. I'm called for him. That's what we're here for. Does that make sense? We're here for him, right? Now, which brings me to the third point, to gain clarity about the purpose that God has on my life. Listen to this. You pursue him, not the purpose. Did I just catch what I just said? To gain clarity, what am I supposed to do? What's my purpose? Go after the author, not the purpose. If I go after God, once I get him, he'll tell me what I'm supposed to do. So many people are doing all of this stuff to run after what they want. But God was like, I just want you to want me. If you get me, I'll tell you what you're here for. Go, go through the Old Testament. Moses found out what he was supposed to do when he had an encounter with God. He didn't go looking for what he was supposed to do. He just went and he had an encounter with God. David had an encounter with God's prophet, right? Then he gets the call. The call follows the encounter. Oh, boy. If you go after the encounter, the call is a fruit of the encounter. Isaiah had an encounter. After the encounter, God then said, here, go do this, right? This is Jonah. He has an encounter. Instructions came during the encounter. If you go after the encounter, you'll figure out what you're supposed to do. But if you try to just find what you're supposed to do, God says, you don't want me. All right? So let's get back to regiment. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I had to insert that just so that we clear. Does that make sense to everybody? Because I, I, I'm just convinced that some of us, we're going after the wrong thing, saints. We're going after the wrong thing. You know, I'm just, I just keep asking God why he won't you know, make my dream come true. Just go after him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. This is readiness requires regiment. Be diligent, 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. 15 again. Be diligent. The word diligent right there. Listen to the definition of this word diligent. To be especially conscientious in discharging an obligation. Especially or specifically conscientious. I'll give you the definition of conscientious in a minute. In discharging an obligation. And, and, and I really want to stop before I give you the conscientious definition. We need to understand our call not as an option, but as an obligation. Does that make sense? In any other instance, if something doesn't function according to what it's supposed to be, we consider it broken. If you go pay money for a car and the car don't run, you don't sit there and look at it and admire it for it looking good. That car doesn't function. And you won't tolerate a non-functioning car that you're making payments on because you bought it for a purpose. 
y'all. You bought it for a purpose. So nobody's going to go buy the car, spend full price. Okay, y'all, okay, okay. Spend full price, just set it in front of their house and go look at the pretty thing that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. How do you think God feels after he paid full price for us? We've been bought with a price. And then he looks into our life every day and says, I call person A to do this and they doing that. I call person B to do this and they doing that. And I'm trying to figure out why I got a payment on their life. And they want to look the part, but they don't want to function. We wouldn't tolerate that. If we went into a store and they say, this coat is guaranteed to keep you warm. And you go out in the cold and you feel everything coming through that. You're going to take the coat back to the store. This coat got a guarantee. It got a warranty. And it's not doing what I bought it to do. When the scripture says we've been bought with a price, there's a next word after that. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What know ye not? That your body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. So, so I really want us, as we think about this, this thing right here, Lord, we repent. Because you paid a mighty price for us, right? And many of us, many of us are not functioning according to our call. And I would like to say right here at this point that many of us use the I don't know my call as an excuse. Because we hungry and go after everything else we want to learn. You YouTube all night to figure out how to do whatever you want to do. Some of us, Lord help us, got six, six figures worth of student loans to gain a skill that we thought made us employable but won't spend six minutes in the word to get the skill set necessary for our calling. God wakes us up every morning and looks at his investment. Looks at what he spent his blood on. And the question is, will you function? Scripture here says, be diligent. Be especially conscientious in discharging your obligation. Let me give you the definition of conscientious so we can really pull this thing together. The word conscientious means wishing to do what is right. It means doing your work or your duty well or thoroughly. A single synonym for conscientious is thorough. So to be especially thorough, I'll give it to you another way. Don't have do what you say you called to. Don't have do it. We don't have to do other stuff. I don't know, y'all know, one of our favorite movies is uh, Willy Wonka, that's our joint. The end scene of Willy Wonka, right before Charlie gives up the everlasting gobstopper. This is my joint. He walks into the room with Gene Wilder and everything in the room is halved. It's like half a clock, half a chair, half a picture, everything in the room, just half. And do you notice that your psyche 
says this guy is crazy? Y'all didn't catch that. You look at him in a room full of things that are not complete and you instantly go, something wrong with him. Because he's surrounded by things that are half done. But for many of us, we live in that room. We are just like him, surrounded by a bunch of didn't finishes. Help us, Lord. Projects we didn't finish, dreams we didn't finish, things that God told us to do that we didn't finish, conversations that need to get finished. We're right there. And we're able to see so clearly when somebody else is incomplete. But when it comes to us, our eyes are dim. Why? Because to admit that we are not complete is to admit that we need help. And to admit that we need help makes us feel weak and vulnerable. But the truth is, God wants to meet us right there. Right there. God says, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. He wants to meet you right there. He says, when you are weak, then you can be strong. So instead of us being caught up in ego, we just tell the truth. Like, uh, yeah, I ain't together. Just tell the truth. Because the reality is, y'all, that's the only way that we can move forward in the call of God. If we really want to give God our yes, then also give God your truth. You can't say yes and then lie. Say yes and say, here I am. Because in order for Isaiah to get sent to where God wanted, he had to say, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. Here it is. If you're going to send me anywhere, I didn't need you to know what you're working with. I'm a mess. And here's the reality about your circle. If your circle can't handle where you are, it's a bad circle. I'm serious. Some of y'all might need to start evaluating your circle by just telling them the truth. For real? Matter of fact, we could probably help some dating relationships too. Go on a date, first date, sit down to dinner and say, so, I'm on probation. <laughs> I'm on probation. I have a list of issues that I would like to go ahead and put before you on tonight. If you still want to see me after this, then we can see what's up. But if any of this scares you away, just wanted to be honest. Because I would hate for you to figure this out 10 years after we got married and you figured out you don't even know who I am. So, watch this. I, I really want you to think about even those of you who know what you're called to be and you know what you're supposed to do, here's a question I want you to really ask yourself. Don't have to tell me. Are you thorough? Or are you getting by? All right, here's, watch this. Here's my transparency right here. Watch this. Listen to me. For many of us, listen to what I'm about to say. Our half looks like some other people's whole. And for years, we've been able to do a little bit because the little bit that we were doing 
was more than the hole that somebody else was struggling with. So, watch. See, when I was in school, my recall was always pretty fast. So if I knew that we were being tested on chapter one, right, I could wake up the morning of the test. Cool. Right? More than a test. We had a 20-page paper due. I'd start. If I had an 8 o'clock class and I got 20 pages, just wake up at 4. <laughs> you just wake up at 4. I haven't even started. I don't even know what I'm writing about. 4 a.m., 8 o'clock class, plenty time. You just wake up. And my roommate would go, got a paper due at eight. Yep, how many pages? Uh, 20. (sighs) Yeah. That's true. (laughs) And so watch this. I got into this habit. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And so watch this. You inevitably carry your natural habits into your spiritual disciplines. Then God calls you to a spiritual pursuit and you. You think you can still, like I had one person tell me, you know, I, 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 uh, oh Lord. So a preacher guy, he was going to get up and I asked him what he was preaching. He said, I'm going to get up and wing it. And I found myself getting frustrated with it. Like wing it. Who wings it? And God, see, this is, see, 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 see. God reminded you, bro, you've been winging it your whole life. That's what God, he said, you winged it like through four years of college. You winged it through all of high school. Look, I winged it through high school and was still top 10%. Winged it. Just, just winged it. Winged it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to tout. I'm saying that's not right. Do y'all know how hard it was for me to start building a regiment? After the fact? We should be building the regiment early. So now when I'm telling people to do this regiment, I'm not telling you because I'm telling y'all something nice. I'm telling y'all because I know how hard it is to build it after the fact. I know what that's like. Amen. To study for the test on the way to the test. Here's the problem with this in the spirit. You don't know when the test coming. I knew. Yo, 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 in college. And I use it as an example to my kids of what not to do. I had a biology class in college. I went three times. The first day, the midterm, and the final. That's all I went. And I passed. I never read the book. Matter of fact, I don't think I bought the book. I tell my kids that, like, don't do that. That's bad. Learn from your daddy. Because here's the thing. When you live that type of life, you actually become excited with the mediocre. Okay, I'm trying to help you. I was glad to pass. When there was Excel in me. Yes. Getting by is different from getting ahead. 
I was so excited to pass because passing was a blessing to the mediocre I had given it. You get excited about it, like, whoo, I passed. It becomes something to hurrah about. But then God had to start showing me early on, like, what if you would have studied, bro? Yeah. What if you actually started that paper the day they assigned it? Right. Watch it. So let me, let, let me come around somebody's corner. I'm going to come to somebody's street. So you know, how, you know how you had that one word that you gave to your coworker? <laughs> And you were so grateful because God used you to be prophetic. What if you actually prayed? Because you ran up on that word. I mean, you fell into it. They start crying. You fell into that thing. And you said one or two things together. They were like, oh, God's speaking. You're not a prophet. That was grace. <laughs> that was grace and mercy. So if you can have that effect on somebody of grace, what effect do you think you could have off diligence? If you actually prayed, if you were actually in your word, if you actually, they that seek me early shall find me. What if that happened? What if? Amen. You go, you pray for somebody and they say they feel better. What if you actually cultivated that? What if, what if you are actually called to be a healer and the reason that healing is not consistent is because you're not? Yeah. Yeah. You're called to be a prophet and the reason that you don't always prophesy is because you're not consistent. What if, what if you actually have the ministry of helps but you're not consistent in helping so God doesn't show you consistent favor in that area? Okay, Lord help us today. He told Timothy, Paul says, I want you to accurately, he says, be diligent, right? Be diligent, that's what he told him. Present yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. Accurately. In order to understand that phrase of, verse, of that verse, I want you in your, in your mind to put the word by in front of it. So watch, let's read it that way. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed by accurately. You see how that makes it differently? Yeah. By accurately handling the word of truth. What was he telling Timothy? That the way to show yourself diligent is by accurately handling the word of truth. Y'all see that? Okay, I'll give it to you another way. The regiment necessary for Timothy's call was to accurately handle the word of truth. So I want you to prove to the world that you're diligent by accurately handling the word of truth. If, if, if somebody come up to you and say they a singer and then they open their mouth and can't sing, y'all see what I'm saying? And so, so, so watch this. Here's, here's my next question for you. What regiment does your call require you to be conscientious about? If he tells him, I want you to be diligent by accurately handling the word of truth, right? It would be a weird thing if somebody came up to me and they said, how much time do you spend studying? And I said, I don't study. 
Wait, wait, time out. You stand before the people all of this time. I'm really confused about how you just don't. Because the expectation is my call requires a study regimen. However, if you came to me and you said, how much time do you spend practicing singing? And I said, I don't. You don't think any different of me. Because my call doesn't require that regimen. Right? How much time do you spend practicing singing? I don't. Nobody thinks about that. You, you don't question my call at all because my call doesn't require that regimen. But if I told you I don't study, because my call requires that regimen. But if you ask somebody on the praise team, how much time do you spend practicing singing? And they say, I never sing. I just get up and hope to, hope the words come out. Never, I don't sing at home, I don't sing in my car. You'd be like, yeah, so you sure you're supposed to be singing? Because their call requires that regiment. So what regiment does your call require? There's baselines for every believer, but your call requires you to go beyond the baseline in your area, right? In your area. Does that make sense? It's like in sports, you have, you know, especially as you go up the ladder, every individual part of the team got a different coach. Like look at, like Major League Baseball, they got like a pitching coach. The pitching coach is not working with the third baseman. He's working with the pitchers because the, the, the workouts that he sends a pitcher through is different. So you got to know your call. So you understand what regiment you're supposed to be working on for your call beyond the baseline. Every believer should pray. Every be believer should study. Every believer should be doing those things. But then your call requires something beyond that. If every believer should pray, but you're called to be an intercessor, my expectation is that you pray more than the average believer. Because your call requires a different regiment. If he looked at the disciples and said, can you not tarry an hour? An hour becomes the primary baseline for all believers, every disciple, every student. But if you're called to a regiment of prayer, then my expectation, I'm not confused at all if you say I'm spending two hours, three hours a day in prayer because your call demands a different regiment. Now, don't start thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think because your call requires something that another person's called don't. That's just your call. That's not the sign of arrogance. It's just your call. Are y'all following me? Now, also don't get enamored with somebody else's regiment. Lord have mercy. All of a sudden, you like they regiment so much that you're not doing what you're supposed to do for your call because you love they workout. Amen. Does this make sense? I, I was having a conversation with a guy today in, in a coffee shop, and, and he asked me, he says, man, um, he said, what are you working on today? And I said, well, I got to teach tonight. And I said, I'm working through my notes, but I had, a, I had a writing goal, so I had to finish my writing goal. Then I'm looking at my notes for tonight. Then I have to, to do chapel in the morning. Then I got to speak to a group of young men after that um, tomorrow. And so in the next 24 hours, I got four times, four things I got to do. And he said, yeah, how do you do that? And I said, I never come out of preparation mode. He looked at me. 
He said, so you don't like, like store your sermons up? I said, I just never come out of preparation mode. I'm always. But my, my call requires that regimen. This is why I got so confused at the pastor um, who, who literally told his congregation that he was only going to preach 20 times a year. And when his leadership team said, can you give us 24? He said, no, that's too many. And so he quit. He was unwilling to preach 24 times a year as the senior pastor of the church. And he quit. Because he said, 20 is just all I can do. It's 52 weeks in a year, bro. <laughs> And listen, let me, let me be real. Let me be real. Watch this. Watch this. I'm trying to figure out what has given the church, how we have produced such divas. Yes. Because Melinda is required to go to school every day, five days a week, and teach her class five days a week. So you mean to tell me we got natural teachers dealing with worldly people and their problems five days a week and you can't handle a congregation once a week because you're not having midweek because you said that's out of stock. All right. Last big number here. This is my big, big number three. Readiness requires, no, readiness transforms character. Readiness transforms character. Ephesians, please. Chapter four. Is this making sense, y'all? Yes, sir. Wonderful. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Readiness transforms. And I want to say this before we read the text. The more time you spend in the regiment, you will see tangible results. Readiness is transformative. There is no way that you can get in that word for real and stay the same. Sometimes my wife and I are talking and we'll hear and we'll, we'll be talking through some situations. And, and, and it's funny, I can always hear my wife in the back of my head sometimes and she says, I just want to ask people, like, do you pray? <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> she says, because you know. <laughs> she said, you know, when I pray, the Lord talks to me. And I just don't know how people can, like, pray and just keep doing wrong. And she, see, there's a difference in praying. And thinking you pray. It's a difference in studying your word and reading the verse of the day. When your regiments get right, they are transformative. The reason that some people don't get transformed is because they're not doing the work. The scripture says, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I send it forth to do. Yeah. 
right? That's what the Bible says. That's a promise. It will accomplish. If I send that joker out, it's going to do what I send it forth to do. Now, two things for us to understand with that scripture, right? The word accomplishes what he sends it forth to do, not what we send it forth to do. So if you try to apply the wrong text to a situation to fit you, the word is no longer required to bring back what God said. You can't just find a scripture that match your circumstance and send it out and quote, he said it ain't going to come back void. Yes, that's going to come back void. And it's going to come back void because it said that it will accomplish what I sent it forth to do. You sent that word forth to do something and now I'm out of it. Y'all catch that. I'm out of it. The word don't work when you misappropriate it. Amen. Misappropriation of funds is illegal. Even in the kingdom. And many of us are incarcerated right now because of misappropriation of scripture. You're living in a prison of your misappropriations. The only way you can get out is you start using that word right. But to use it right, it hits you first. I've never preached a convicting word that didn't rip me. The thing is, you know, sometimes it ripped me as I was preparing it. Sometimes it's been ripping me for years. But there's no way that God can send a word through me that convicts. And I just be like, oh, I'm cool. This is all about you. Oh, it done got me first. It done got me first. I done worked with it and cried about it and fussed and threw my little tantrum with it. And by the time I'm ready to deliver it, we good now. We, we good. We ready, to, we ready to go. That's why, listen, that's why Jesus said to, to Peter, and when you are converted, then you can go to strengthening your brother. Don't be trying to strengthen nobody without conversion in your own life. When you are converted, then start strengthening. All right. Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner, Ephesians 4, 1, worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 1 again, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Let's define some words. That word walk right there means to live or behave, right? Live or behave, right? So I, I implore you, I'm, I'm begging you to live or behave in a manner. That word worthy right there means suitable. I want you to live or behave in a manner that is suitable to your call. The word call is, to me, the most important word in the text because the word call right there means invitation. Let's read it again. So he says, behave in a way that is appropriate or suitable to the invitation, to the invite. Watch it. So my behavior must be, in, must be in alignment with where I've been invited to go, not where I am now. Y'all, I'm going to say it again. My behavior must be in alignment with where I have been invited to go, not where I am now. 
If someone comes to a woman, if a man comes to a woman and he gets down on his knee and he asks that woman, will you marry me? Gives her a ring, she says yes. Are they married? Huh? They're not married, are they? They're not married at all. She had a ring on her finger, she had said yes. But the expectation is because of the question and because of the answer. Whether or not they get married tomorrow, next year, or the year after. The behavior has to match what they said yes to, even before the yes manifests before the people. I need you right now to walk like you married. Y'all don't live together. Sex is still illegal. Huh? However, I need marriage commitment. Even before the consummation of covenant. God says, I'm calling you. I'm giving you an invite. Now, that doesn't mean that I've manifested you because the call is not the training. We see it with Abraham, he tore it up. And we also see it with David, he did it right. Because David, the prophet, goes and calls him. 20 years later, the ceremony. It took 20 years from call to David being king. 20 years. And he walked like a king. The integrity of a king. The honor of a king. The servitude of a king. For 20 years without being the king. He's telling him, I need you to walk worthy of where I've invited you. Please listen to that. Because many of us mess that up. That's why we never get to the next. Okay, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this statement. I'm going to read it. I'm your now is directly connected to your next. Write that in your notes. Your now is directly connected to your next. What you do now is directly connected to where you go next. Amen. Colin Powell. Colin Powell, head of the Joint Chiefs. Man that I highly respect. And Colin Powell probably, probably, most likely, would have been the first African American president. Most likely. In the climate that he was in, he was black and Republican. And odds are, Colin Powell could have ascended to the highest office in the land. He refused to run. He didn't refuse to run because he didn't want to be president. He refused to run because he said that running for office was going to reveal some things that he didn't want nobody to know. So here it is. He said, what I did has disqualified me for that. Because he knew he was, watch this, he was about to be on a national interview for a position where people don't have grace. 
And he refused to open his family to that level of scrutiny, so he didn't run. Now, thank God for Jesus, right, who looks beyond faults. We thank the Lord Jesus, right? But the truth is, once you know better, come on, y'all. We have to start operating now according to where God called us. Where's your invite? Where's your invite? Because invitations aren't automatic. Just because you got the invite don't mean I got to let you in. Okay, let's go to the royal wedding. So in the royal wedding, the royal wedding, watch this. I, 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 was, I was listening to some guys on YouTube, and they can turn you away for not being appropriately dressed. With an invite. Y'all yeah. didn't catch that? Yeah. I've been invited. Yeah, but you don't look like you're supposed to be here. If you pay attention to the royal wedding, everybody came, and they don't care what your normal wear is. When you come here, you got to dress according to the invite. Okay. You got to dress according to the invite. When I was consecrated as a bishop, Bishop Woodson uh, was, was in charge of everything that was going on, and he says, now look, if anybody who's met Bishop, Bishop Woodson, he's real slow. Lions, uh, I don't know who you're going to have, but... Uh, you tell everybody if uh, they don't have their vestments on, they can't be in the processional. He said, now they can sit down, but they can't be in the processional. He said, so what you do is you put on the invitation. All clergy are required to vest. That means you can show up. You got an invite. You're supposed to be here. You got a call. You are clergy. But when you get here and you refuse the invite, and you acted as if the invite didn't apply to your behavior, you lose the privilege of being able to be in the processional of honor. Your call, guys, that's an invitation. And right now, Right now, you got to live that way. We got some students who are, who are in our minister's class. They haven't preached. They haven't taught. They haven't done anything. But our expectation, while they're in class, live like you've already manifested. Because if you can't handle two years of being watched, Even in secular world right now, do y'all know that they are requiring kids to hold their driver's permit for a year? Before they get their license, they got to hold the permit for a year and the parent got to sign an affidavit that says that they have driven with their child for 50 hours. You got to sign and have it certified. That didn't happen when I was a kid. You got to sign an affidavit. You got to drive with your kid 50 hours. They got to hold the permit for one year before they can get their license. Come on now, and we get angry because God wants to send us through some testing? Even the world understands, I'm not gonna unleash you on the road until I can verify your training. And you don't get to tell them I can drive. They wanna see, can you drive over time? Matter of fact, the affidavit that we have to sign not only says that, that, that our child has driven with us, it says they have driven with us in multiple conditions. 
so many night hours, so many day hours, so many highway hours. We have to verify and vouch for that they have been in the car with somebody who know how to do it in multiple conditions before they're allowed to get the license and watch the new rule says the first accident they get their driver's license taken. They don't care who fault it was. Behave in a way suitable. So, listen to me. I'm five minutes over, but I need to tell you what was suitable for him. Chapter four. Look at, look at what was suitable. Verse two. With, he, he gives him five qualities that made this thing suitable. Humility. Gentleness, patience, tolerance, and diligence. Y'all see that? Behave in a way that is suitable. What's that look like? Humility, gentleness, patience, tolerance, gentleness. Where are you at on that list? Because I know if we look at those five, some of us got some issues right there. <laughs> Amen? I'm going to pray for us tonight. But I, I, I need us to really get serious about, all right, Lord, for real this time. I'm going to quit playing with this thing. Because the Lord didn't have to give you an invite. That's the truth. Everybody don't get invited. All right, pray. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for speaking to us. Allow us, God, to walk worthy of the call of our life. Let us behave the way we should. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Just listen to part 3.5 of the Marketplace Movement Podcast, The Cost of God's Will Series. There's still so much more training to go. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and visit our website, themarketplacemovement.org. We invite you to worship with us at 3300 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, or catch us on Periscope every Sunday and Wednesday. Remember, we all must pay the bill called time and readiness. Happy Thanksgiving from the Marketplace Movement, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives.